Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hello, I'm Monica Reinagel, and you are listening to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. Thanks for listening today. If you have excess body weight... The standard advice is to eat less and move more. Of course, we all know this is easier said than done. For one thing, it takes a lot of work to change deeply ingrained habits and behavior patterns. It's hard to move more when our workplaces are designed for sitting and our neighborhoods are designed for driving. It's hard to eat less when you're constantly surrounded by hyperpalatable food. And it's also challenging to eat less when you've learned to use food to cope with stress or soothe your emotions. Now, these are all issues that a good behavior modification program can help you with, but it's also really hard to eat less when your brain is sending you the wrong signals about whether you've had enough to eat. Hunger, which is the urge to eat or seek food, and satiation, that feeling that you're full and you don't want more food, are both regulated in the hypothalamus. This is the most primitive part of the brain. The hypothalamus responds to hormonal signals being sent from different organs all over your body via various chemical messengers. And when this system is working as it should, our hunger increases when our body needs energy and decreases when it doesn't, and the result is a stable body weight. But sometimes that system goes awry. Dr. Gabriel Smolars is an endocrinologist specializing in the treatment of obesity, and here's how he explains it. And the hypothalamus is receiving all of these different inputs and essentially processing the situation to then say, you know, should we eat? Should we not eat? Should we stop eating? Should we seek food, et cetera? We conclude that there's dysregulation when the system actually, the gas tank is full, but yet the signaling at the level of the hypothalamus is indicating an empty tank. If your brain is receiving the wrong signals about whether or not you need food, this is obviously going to make it much more difficult for you to eat less. Dysregulation of appetite signals can be due to genetics, similar to the way that you might inherit a dysfunction in your body's ability to regulate your cholesterol levels or your blood pressure. And this may be at least one of the reasons that obesity, like high cholesterol, runs in families. Of course, our genetics haven't changed much in the last hundred years, while the incidence of obesity has skyrocketed. But genes are not always destiny. Sometimes they need an environmental trigger in order to unfold. And what's changed in the last hundred years is not our genetics, but the environmental triggers we're exposed to. 
We are more sedentary than previous generations, and at the same time, our food supply has gotten cheaper, more convenient, and it's processed in ways that make it much more tempting. The combination of dysregulated appetite signals with cheap and abundant, high-calorie, hyper-palatable food is clearly a recipe for disaster. This situation can be compounded by something referred to as metabolic adaptation, in which the body responds to caloric restriction or weight loss by burning fewer calories and amping up the urge to eat. Here's Dr. Smolars again. If you are fortunate enough to achieve a meaningful weight loss um, after a period of time, first of all, congratulations, it's, it's not easy, but it's also really hard to now keep that weight off because the body wants to push the weight back to where you started from. It's basically the body saying, oh no, this is not good. We got to get back up to the weight where we were. Higher weight is better, safer, more conducive to reproduction and survival, etc. The hormone signals that control uh, energy intake, one being ghrelin, which is that hunger hormone, the one that makes you eat, and then some of the satiety hormones that induce satiety and feeling full and meal termination, being done with eating, those go down in this scenario. Ghrelin goes up in this scenario. And you can imagine the net effect of that is increased eating. So after the weight loss, you're hungrier than you were before. And that's because of this hormonal part of metabolic adaptation. And then the second half of this story has to do with actually how much energy do you burn at rest? The body says, we're going to now conserve as many calories as we can by burning less. So if it took you 100 calories to walk around the block, your body says, well, we can now do this in 80 calories. And so you've increased your efficiency. If you want to continue to lose weight, you actually need to consume even less than what you did just a few weeks ago, because now your basal metabolic rate or your resting energy expenditure is even lower than where it was before. One of the reasons that I advocate a slower pace of weight loss than is commonly prescribed is in order to minimize this unwanted metabolic adaptation. However, those with a long history of crash or yo-yo dieting may have lasting effects that make weight loss increasingly difficult. So while it is true that if you eat less, you will lose weight, it is not an even playing field. One person might be able to lose a couple of pounds just by cutting out a dessert here and there and taking a walk after dinner every night. But some people have to eat a lot less or go around feeling hungry all the time just in order to lose a couple of pounds or even just to maintain a lower body weight. So is there any way to fix this appetite dysregulation? There are a variety of medications that work in the hypothalamus to regulate appetite signals in a variety of ways. And for those suffering from a dysregulation of appetite signals, where those hunger signals are out of sync with what their bodies actually need, these medications can make it easier to eat less and then to lose weight. Several drugs have been approved by the FDA for the treatment of obesity, and some of these are similar to drugs that have been approved for the treatment of other conditions, such as type 2 diabetes, but have been found in clinical trials to be effective in the treatment of obesity as well. And remember that type 2 diabetes and obesity are two conditions that frequently occur together. In the past few months in particular, there's been a lot of buzz about a type 2 diabetes drug called semaglutide, which appears to be even more effective at promoting weight loss than some of the drugs that have been approved to treat obesity. 
In the most recent of these studies, participants received intensive behavioral counseling along with a weekly injection of semaglutide or a placebo. And those receiving the behavioral counseling and the placebo succeeded in losing an average of 5% of their body weight, which is no small accomplishment. However, those who combined intensive behavior modification with the medication lost over 15% on average. And just a disclosure here, that in addition to his work as a clinician and on the clinical teaching faculty of Rutgers Medical School, Dr. Smolars also serves as the medical director for Novo Nordisk, and that's the company that developed semaglutide. When you consider the prevalence of obesity and its enormous costs to both individuals and society, you might think that these drugs would be more widely used. I mean, consider if a person develops high blood pressure or high cholesterol or high blood sugar, their doctor will probably first suggest that they make some changes to their diet and get more exercise. And for some people, those lifestyle changes are sufficient to solve the problem. But for others, and often it's those with a genetic predisposition, for them, even the most diligent efforts with diet and lifestyle don't fix it. And at that point, the doctor will likely prescribe for them a medication to help modulate whatever aspect of their metabolism is out of whack. Similarly, when a person has excess body weight, their doctor, if they mention it at all, will probably suggest that they eat less and move more. But if they are unable to get their weight down, rarely are medications ever discussed. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. As pharmacist and obesity advocate Ted Kyle points out, 88% of people who have type 2 diabetes are prescribed some sort of medication to help them manage their blood sugar. And yet, anti-obesity medications are prescribed to only 3% of those with obesity, and that number has doubled in the last 10 years. I asked Dr. Smolars why he thinks this is. I went to an allopathic medical school. I went to a mainstream internal medicine residency program. Uh, I went to a mainstream endocrinology fellowship. Pretty much 
obesity as a disease itself was not part of any curriculum. It was not taught. This whole dysregulation of appetite regulation. And so it's not taught. As you said, obesity is the most prevalent, non-communicable disease on the planet. And, you know, there are times where we learn more about bioterrorism and um, how to use potassium iodide than how to use medicines in, in this regard. Now, not everyone who needs to lose weight needs an anti-obesity medication, of course. Dr. Smolars describes how he evaluates patients who are seeking treatment for obesity. You want to look for secondary causes of extra weight first. Are there other medicines that the person is taking that promote weight gain? And so look at the medication list, see if you can swap things out, if there are, you know, there are things you can alter or change. Um, and all kinds of things like that. So we look at that carefully. There's also underlying medical condition, an underlying disease that could be causing this. An example of this could be if they have a thyroid problem and that's causing their weight gain. Yes, that can contribute to weight gain and be a cause of um, an inability to lose weight. So that's something we would check for, but it could be other hormones as well. Um, And then there are other things like, is this person perhaps a binge eater? or an emotional eater, or a traumatic eater? Are there, are there other reasons there that are going on that I have to address those things? Maybe it's a sleep problem, because sleep is incredibly important as well. In addition to treating any underlying medical conditions that may be contributing to the problem, the first line of treatment is still to modify the diet, increase physical activity, and address behaviors that may be leading to overeating. But that's not where the treatment always ends. Here's Dr. Smolars. There is no blood test that I can say, ah, you have an appetite signaling problem. I wish there was something like that. You cross things off the list and then you say, well, it's not this, it's not that. Okay, I'm left with this. And so let's approach that. The first part of the treatment approach is to ensure optimal nutrition, increasing physical activity. And then the third part being behavior modification. Once an a good, solid quality attempt using those three levers is unsuccessful. That's when I say someone is a candidate for medications when um, those three elements have been tried or being currently tried, but the end result is we're not seeing um, weight come off. However, even if appetite signals are out of whack, medication alone won't solve the problem. Nutrition, physical activity, and behavior modification still need to be part of the program. Medications are adjunct after those those three things. I often say the medications are enabling those um, fundamentals to be even more successful. The medicines enable you to be able to tolerate the reduced caloric intake. So it's one thing to say, yes, Monica, you need to eat more salad. In fact, have salad twice a day. You may be very hungry at that two salads with a 1,200 calorie a day or 1,500 calorie a day. The medicines then, as appetite suppressants, make that feasible. Like all medications, the drugs used to treat obesity have a risk of side effects. And patients and doctors need to weigh the costs and the benefits of the various medication options and select the one that's the best match for their situation. And perhaps this is another reason that family doctors are reluctant to prescribe anti-obesity medications. Here's Dr. Smolars. All the drugs work a little bit differently. So it's a bit of a challenge to, to master it all. And then the last piece is fundamental misunderstanding of obesity as a disease of it not being just a failure of willpower that you know people just need to eat better and they should get a handle on their obesity. That's just not the clinical reality. 
If your health is at risk because of excess body weight and you and your doctor feel that you've run out of solutions, you might consider consulting with a practitioner who's specifically trained in obesity medicine, which, as I hope you see, involves much more than just writing prescriptions or scheduling bariatric surgery. The American Board of Obesity Medicine trains and certifies physicians in various fields in obesity management, and their website includes a directory where you can find diplomates by location. The Obesity Medicine Association is another resource that can help you locate clinicians with specific training in obesity medicine near you. And I've included links to both of those resources in the show notes for today's show, which are at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. And if you're looking for the behavior modification part of a sustainable weight loss approach, I'd invite you to check out the program that I run with Brock Armstrong. You'll find more information about that at wayless.life. Thank you for listening today. And I'd love to hear from you with your comments or your questions on today's topic. You can email me at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com or leave me a voicemail on the Nutrition Diva listener line. That's at 443-961-6206. I always love to hear what's on your mind. Our show today was written by me, Monica Reinagel. It was edited by Karen Hertzberg. Our producer is Nathan Sems. And our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Emily Miller, Morgan Ratner, Michelle Margulis, our intern Claire Freeman, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Have a good week, and remember to eat something good for me. The Living Room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.